Welcome to the Conscious Business Leader Show. I'm Anna Choi, founder and CEO of Conscious Business Coaching, helping high achieving business leaders prevent burnout to grow in flow. Our firm empowers the next generation of global leaders who will cause a tipping point in elevating humanity's consciousness. Join us for the end of the show, where we'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing business inspiration podcasts on the planet in 15 to 20 minutes. Ready? Let's go. Right now I have Rob Berger with us. How are you doing, Rob? Good, Gabby. How are you? I am good and so excited. We just talked about how there's a lot to you. So please just kind of talk about your journey and how that led into what it is exactly that you do now. Right. Well, so I was a lawyer back in the day uh, and I had practiced law for about 15 years in Washington, D.C. and was kind of tired of it, to be honest. (laughs) And so I wanted to get a hobby. My wife told me to get a hobby. I usually listen to what she says. So I started a personal finance website. Uh, It was really not a business at all. Uh, but it slowly turned into a business, not not quickly, but after a couple of years, it started to make some money. Then it was making more money than I was making practicing law. Mm. That may say something about my law practice. I'm not mm. sure, but that's kind of how it developed. Mm-hmm. And then in my late 40s, I was able to, to quit the practice of law and just run my personal finance website. I ended up buying a couple of more websites. And then in 2018, I actually sold them all and kind of retired mm-hmm. again. Uh, but then Forbes uh, asked me to help them on a project. So I did that for two years. And that's a lot of fun. And I'm still working with them part time. I published a book, Retire Before Mom and Dad. Uh, and even my mom liked that book. So there's that. Uh, and then I have started to work sort of part time as a consultant for the company that purchased my website. Mm. And I'm also building a couple of more new personal finance and investing websites. And I started a YouTube channel and now I'm here talking to you, and that's pretty much my life story. Okay, so it's been a lot of different things, a lot of different different avenues. And so if you could just talk about, was it kind of because, like you said, you just wanted to pick up new things, or you kind of fell into it? Like, how was it that you really just were popping in and out? I know you went into a little bit, but was that ever your plan? Like, or is it just kind of happened that way? Well, the, the reason I chose, or sort of two reasons I chose a personal finance blog to begin with, this okay. was back in 2007. You know, I was a technology lawyer at the time, so I kind of enjoyed technology. And so the thought of just building a website, which I had never done, seemed like fun. Mm-hmm. And I was also very much into personal finance and investing. I'd sort of made that turn from being a lawyer and, and making a decent salary, but spending it all, mm-hmm. which is what a lot of lawyers and other professionals do, mm-hmm. to, you know, no, no, that's not really what I want. What I want is financial freedom. So, uh, you know, I made a lot of changes. My wife and I, mainly me, she's pretty good with money, but, you know, I made some pretty significant changes. Mm-hmm. And so the blog gave me an opportunity to, to write about it. Mm-hmm. So those sort of two things came together about the same time. And that's why I picked a personal finance side. I suppose I could have started a blog about anything. Okay. And frankly, it's why I still, everything I'm doing now really in some way ties with personal finance and investing. Okay. And so I'm curious as well, you said you have the blog and then you have the website, Websites. Is there any reason why it's kind of something that, you know, you're not going to necessarily an office every day or anything like that? Kind of more, like you said, the tech side, like I said, I know you said you like tech and everything, but at any point, did you want something maybe more hands-on, like I said, an office setting or anything like that? Well, yes and no. I, I have no desire to commute to an office, right? Okay. And, you know, when I started this, I wasn't thinking lifestyle when I started mm. the blog, uh, but 
over time, it became obvious. I mean, it's a wonderful lifestyle business. I can work from wherever there's an internet connection. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't ever want to give that up. Having spent okay. a long time going to the office every day, uh, particularly in a commute to Washington, D.C., which is not a, not a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want to give that up, but I do miss the connection with people. Okay. Um, you know, my work can be quite, uh, I, I work a lot in isolation, mm-hmm. but the work with Forbes and now the work with WebPals, which is the name of the company that bought my site and several others, gives me that sort of interaction with other folks and so that's been very valuable. Okay. And tying into that, as far as that's kind of helping to the isolation, what else do you do to kind of keep yourself just, you know, still in touch with people and not getting too lonely in that sort of work environment? Well, I'll tell you, it's not been easy with COVID mm-hmm. to, be, right. to be quite honest. I mean, it's hard just to get together mm-hmm. with friends at a coffee shop. Right. Uh, and every time you do, you think, boy, this may be a mistake. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do that to some degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, you know, my wife's here, she's retired. Um, our daughter uh, is living with us for, for a while, so she's here. So, you know, I have some interaction, but at a professional level, frankly, Gabby, it's been difficult. Yeah. Uh, I, one outlet for me, oddly enough, is the YouTube channel. And mm-hmm. it, it, it seems may seem odd because when I'm producing a YouTube video, I'm not, there's no one else here. It's still work in isolation. Right. But there is a connection with the people that listen to it. And I get a ton of email mm-hmm. from folks. I get comments it was the same thing when I ran the podcast for my site. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how many connections you develop with folks that listen. And you probably know that from your own podcast, mm-hmm. that at least for me, I never got that from just publishing articles on a blog. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So the podcast definitely opened it up for me back in the day. Today, it's the YouTube channel. That helps. Uh, but even then, I, you know, it's it's been a hard year, I think, for a lot of folks, for a lot, a lot of different reasons. And fighting the feeling of isolation is certainly part of it. But, you know, you you do what you got to do to get by, right? Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of us are kind of having to rely on is just the the virtual connections, like you said, through podcasts and YouTube and everything. So I think a lot of people can relate to that. And so I'm curious, what exactly can our listeners expect when they do go to your YouTube channel? Well, so my focus is personal finance and investing. Okay. And it's long-term wealth building. So you're not, you know, what you're, I'll tell you what you're not going to hear. Mm-hmm. You're not going to hear uh, buy Bitcoin and become a quadrillionaire in a week and a half. <laughs> By the way, if, if you did that, congratulations, <laughs> but that's not what you're going to hear on my YouTube, YouTube mm-hmm. channel. You're not going to hear options trading uh, to get rich quick. You're going to, what you're going to hear is make, make more than you spend, invest the difference in a mm-hmm. smart way and, and build wealth and achieve financial independence, uh, faster than you, you might think you, you otherwise could. So it's, I guess it's a get rich slowly kind of approach, uh, okay. but I think it's the the most sound way to to build financial freedom. So we, you know, I talk about everything from how to invest, to how to manage your money, how to track your net worth. Mm-hmm. You know, I talk about some of the other things. I did a video recently on Bitcoin, but it was more along the lines of why I don't think it's a great investment. Mm. And um, I think I'm in the minority on that point right, right now. But I'm right there with okay. you, so it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll join yeah. the minority side for that. And so you mentioned how the YouTube channel kind of goes over like the slow build as far as wealth, but then your book, it sounds like you said retiring before mom and dad. So is that the opposite as far as building quicker money? Could you elaborate on that? It's it's really not. I mean, mm-hmm. even retiring before mom and dad is a slow approach okay. or it's methodical. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You certainly can retire early without having to save a ridiculous amount of your income. Some, some You'll hear some say you need to save 50, 60, 70%. Mm-hmm. And of course, the vast majority of people either can't do that or don't want to do that, right? Mm-hmm. But you can, you can certainly retire early on 20% uh, 
savings rate. Now, I don't, you know, that's a lot too, but it's certainly more manageable than 70%. Right. Uh, but, you know, the book, frankly, is not, I'm not, the book doesn't really push early retirement, to be mm-hmm. honest. Okay. It pushes doing smart things with your money so that you can achieve financial freedom uh, earlier than most, and then you can decide what you want to do. In my case, I continue to work, but it's work that I, I, I love doing, even though I don't have to do it uh, for the income. So I, the book doesn't really push people to try to mm-hmm. retire early, but certainly that would be an option. I, I'm really, I was really trying to reach people, uh, you know, younger folks before they got to the point where they were making big mistakes with their money. Mm-hmm. So that was my, my real goal uh, of the book, but it's definitely, no, it's not a get okay. rich quick book at all. Okay. So since it's not that, it sounds like it's almost in a way, like you said, it's really to teach, like you said, younger folks, but also I think to give them options in life. Like you said, so we're not stuck in the same job, like we're told for 30, 40 years making, you know, maybe even a good salary. But like you said, when you have that kind of financial literacy and making better choices early, you give yourself options in life. Right. Yeah. And part, part of that whole analysis too, mm-hmm. is thinking outside the box, at least in my case, I sort of got locked into a career and a path and I, after a while, I was just sort of sleepwalking through life, mm-hmm. doing just the things that everyone, you know, this is what you're just supposed to do. Right. And part of the book challenges a lot of those thoughts. I mean, you know, everything from where you live to how many cars you own to how you spend money. I think if, if we give some thought to that and also how I think we have a greater ability to control what makes us happy mm-hmm. than most of us think. Right. And, you know, we kind of get into a routine. Routines aren't bad at all. But sometimes we think we've got to continue in that routine uh, to keep our level of happiness or contentment. And in cases where we've had to make dramatic changes, frankly, for example, in the last year, uh, they haven't always been easy. But I talk to a lot of people who say, you know, I don't actually miss going to Starbucks every day anymore. I mean, yeah, I like to go every now and again, not to pick on lattes. (laughs) <laughs> but, you know, I think we, we learn over time that we have a lot more control over what makes us happy. Mm-hmm. All of these things kind of relate to the question of how do we earn our money? How do we mm-hmm. how do we spend it? How do we save it? How do we invest it? And I think they're all important. So it's not just about the numbers or just about the asset allocation plan in your 401k, mm-hmm. as important as those things are. Okay. And so kind of going away from money for a second, but still often kind of the same mindset, without a year like... 2020 was, you know, circumstances are basically pushing people to kind of, you know, evaluate their lives, see what makes them happy. What advice do you have for people to kind of discover that? Like you said, not being stuck in it and thinking that the same routine you're in makes you happy. How do people find new ways and maybe evaluate their journey? So I have two two suggestions. The first is to, to, to ask yourself, what if? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's what if I do such and such. And I think the more outrageous the what if is, the better. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, you could say, well, what if I give up a latte? Mm-hmm. All right, that's fine. That's a good starting place. But what if I move to a different part of the country? What if I ask my boss if, and now might be a good time, what mm-hmm. if I can work from home three days a week? Mm-hmm. Or what if I move and I move closer to work where I can walk? Now, mm-hmm. or what if we we get rid of, what if I get rid of my car? Or for a couple, what if we get rid of one of our cars? You know, asking bigger what if questions and really thinking them through. I mean, the initial reaction might be, well, I can't get rid of my car. How am I going to get to work? Mm-hmm. But really ask yourself, what if I had no choice and I didn't have a car? How would I survive? Mm-hmm. And playing this what if game, I think, helps us think outside the box. Now, we, we may do that 
and conclude, no, I, I still need my latte fix every day, or mm-hmm. I still need my car. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean we're going to give up everything, but I think it's important to first ask that question in a very serious and thoughtful way and be as creative and frankly, as extreme as you, as you can. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is experiment. So for example, take the car, for example, park it for a week, don't use it, and, or for even better for three weeks and see how your life goes. Mm -hmm. Is it really as awful as you imagine? If it is, that's okay. Your car's right there. You can start driving it again. But I really like uh, playing life experiments with this sort of thing. And you can do it in a lot of different ways, depending on exactly what your goal is or what what the challenge is in your life. But I think a combination of asking serious, thoughtful, what if questions, and then Mm -hmm. where you can actually running, say, a three-week experiment uh, to see just how you know, will life be just as awful as I think it will be right. if I give up whatever? Uh, I think that uh, can help uh, really help folks uh, break out of the routine. You know, they may go back to it at the end right. of that. That's fine. But at least mm-hmm. you've tried. Right. So I think that can be uh, uh, very helpful. And that's what I was going to say. I think that's a really good, that's really good advice as far as experimenting. Cause I think it can feel so daunting where it's like, okay, I'm making a whole life change. It's like, well, if you do a trial run, now it tells you what, whether it works or it doesn't without having to basically switch your whole life around at one time. Right. Yeah. And sometimes these experiments are forced on us, right? Again, mm-hmm. I use the latte example, but uh, you know, particularly, you know, a year ago, March, April, no one was going to coffee shops. So you were sort right. of forced to give it up. Now, I don't know, for some folks listening, that may have been the, the, the misery times 10, right? right? But I think for a lot of folks, they probably thought, yeah, I don't, I don't really miss it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes we can be intentional about the experiments we run. Sometimes they're forced on us for reasons mm-hmm. outside of our control. But, uh, you know, I think you can learn from them. Uh, I remember as a kid, our TV broke. We didn't have the money to replace it. Boy, the agony was unbelievable. There was no TV. I mean, really, it was. Mm-hmm. But you know, after two it. or three weeks, uh, I didn't. You didn't miss it. So mm-hmm. anyway, okay. I, I think, like I said, I think we have more control over what makes us happy and content than sometimes we give ourselves credit for. Absolutely. So, for any of our listeners, where is the best? Where are the best places to get more information about you, or just to connect with you? Probably the best place is just robberger.com, uh, and I'll have links to my YouTube channel and everything else and my book, but that's uh, probably the best place to find me. Perfect. Well, Rob Berger, thank you so much for your time today and sharing all of that. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Conscious Business Leader Podcast. If you're a conscious business leader or entrepreneur who would like to be on the program, please visit annasunchoy.com slash apply. Now, if you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone, text it to a friend, or post it on the socials. And if you do that, tag us with the hashtag conscious business leader. Now, can you also hook us up now to your podcast player and just give us a thumbs up or a rating and review? Your feedback helps us better empower that next generation of global leaders to cause a tipping point in elevating humanity's consciousness through being a loving presence while you're at it, hit the subscribe button. You know why? Because each week you're going to be inspired and energized 15 minutes a day. My name is Anna Choi. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at annasunchoi.com. Thanks for listening. And thank you for being a part of the conscious business leader movement.